Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it again. They get beat on the road in Philadelphia, what I thought was the most predictable of scores on this road trip. Back-to-back, fifth game, not playing well. Uh, It was a decent start, but when they went to the bench, it all unraveled. A horrible end of the first quarter, an awful second quarter. Yes, they played better in the second half, but the pressure wasn't really on Philly, just like it wasn't on Toronto. You know, you get one of those big leads. Philly uh, had an enormous run. The Jazz, you know, whereas the defense was an enormous problem in Toronto, it was still a problem in Philly. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, But, man, the Jazz went a long stretch without scoring. Uh, gave up like a 25-4 to four run, something like that. It was just dreadful. And that kind of bad offense, missing some easy shots, taking some difficult contested shots they shouldn't have taken, and turning the ball over again too much, it's just a killer combination. It puts your defense under a lot of pressure. The Jazz ended up with 19 turnovers again. Conley had four, even though he didn't play at the end of the game. He only played 23 minutes. Uh you know, hamstring tightness, trying to prevent a more serious injury. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had four turnovers. Joe Ingles had three. Uh, Bogdanovich had three. He had a particularly terrible one uh, cross court, basically threw it right to Philly. So th- those things really add up, and the defensive numbers look bad. I'm not sure that we can put as much of it on the defense. I think we got to put a lot of that scoring on the Jazz' bad offense, just putting them in a horrible position, putting Philly in the open court. Uh, there were some defensive letdowns. Uh, letting Horford just walk into a three trailing a play just just can't happen. This isn't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, these guys aren't even old enough to have played in 1985 or 1995. But you can't just run back to the rim as a big guy and then meet your big guy there. Horford's a threat from three. It's on the scouting report. It has been for a long time. It's just a lapse in concentration. You sink back, and I think it was Ed Davis who did it. You sink back into the paint, and he just comes jogging down court behind the play, and they throw him the ball, and he hits a three. There's no offense there. It's just recognize an opportunity. There was no screening. There was no cutting. There was no movement. There was nothing creative or tricky. It's, uh, I'll drift into the play late and see if you notice, and if you don't, I'll hit a wide-open three. It's pretty simple, actually. And those lapses in concentration, that's the kind of stuff Quinn's talking about. He doesn't like to call players out by name. I think the way the last two games have gone, you can just read the roster. I think everybody's at least a little guilty. Maybe some guys are more guilty. But I'm pretty sure when they go through the video of these games that the coaches can call out everybody at some point um, for the turnovers, for the lapses in concentration on defense. It's, uh, it's a bad combination, and until they figure it out, they're going to get beat. Um, I'm not totally down on the club right now. I think they're still going to win a bunch of games, but I think what we're going to see is they're going to beat the bottom two-thirds of the league, and they're going to struggle with the top third of the league. Um, You know, they need everybody to be on, and the reason is other team stars are better than the Jazz stars, and we do not want to hear that because we love our stars. We love Donovan Mitchell, and we love Rudy Gobert, and I thought after a bad performance and a frustrating, hideous loss, you know, Gobert came out with a lot of determination, plus I think he and Embiid, there's something going on there. They really don't like each other. They've been compared. It's kind of like Carl Anthony Towns, kind of similar deal there, and Gobert went for 27-12, and 12, um, blocked three shots, you know, now. You know, he had a turnover himself. Nobody's perfect, right? Um, but I just think when the bench has a bad stretch, 
can the Stars come back in and immediately just grab the game by the throat and put it back on track? It's a lot to put on them every time. You'd like to get something out of your bench, but most nights they're not getting anything out of the bench. Most nights the bench is giving up runs. So when they come back in, you know, and Donovan gets left out there with the bench, so he doesn't really have that advantage coming back in in the same way. Can those Stars turn the game around? It's a tough thing to ask of them, but it's what the Jazz need right now, and it's what other teams are going to get. And they also may have better benches. Um, so that's a double whammy. You know, when you look at the Lakers and Clippers, and, you know, their stars are veterans and down the road and championship experience, and Donovan Mitchell doesn't have that. Gobert's now into his prime. We can't think of Gobert as a young guy anymore. Um, but Dallas and Denver have young, inexperienced guys. In Denver's case, less experienced. Uh, you know, and, and their guys seem to be able to do it. So... You do have to keep your eye on the Lakers and Clippers, and that could be the conference final. I know Jazz fans want to be in the conference final, and it may well be those two. Um, and, and you got Houston out there, too. Uh, but you got to look at Denver and Dallas, too. So Jazz got to get it together. There's plenty. The bench needs to be better. The Stars need to be better. The uh, defense as a group needs to be better. Uh, there's a lot to work on. All right, let's get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK and on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz wrap up their five-game road trip, one and four. They uh, fell last night in Philadelphia to the 76ers, 103-94. Jazz struggled once again in the first half, played a little bit better in the second half, specifically the fourth quarter, uh, but not enough as uh, they fall by nine uh, at Philly. Of course, uh, Joe Ingles had a really nice night of the Joe Ingles show fame here on DJ and PK. 13 points, eight boards, and eight assists. Mike Conley leaving this game with hamstring soreness, meaning Joe uh, was kind of the backup point guard in a sense, had the ball in his hands a lot, uh, particularly in the fourth quarter. But a monster game for Rudy Gobert, who had 27 points, 12 boards, three Block shots, uh, but other guys struggled. Boyan Bogdanovich struggled a little bit, only nine points on uh, three of 11 sh- uh, shooting. Don- uh, Donovan Mitchell had 18 points on six of 19 shooting, and the Jazz certainly looked like a team playing uh, its fifth game in eight nights. All right, let's now let you get some postgame sound. Let's start with uh, Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. To, to be down like we were um, early, um, particularly after you know last night's game, um, on a back-to-back on the fourth game um, of a road trip and to see our team battle like that I think says a lot about our team and you know everybody in the locker room knows that we can play better um, but the way you play better is by competing and keeping your spirit as a team and that's what I saw reflected tonight we can talk about you know we didn't make some shots we didn't play um, as connected as we wanted to early. Philadelphia was great early. You know, they were making everything. Um, we didn't defend as well as we wanted to, but the defense picked up throughout the game. And there's a lot of teams, I think, in that situation um, that wouldn't have responded the way this team did. Another positive also, Joe Ingles. I mean, mm-hmm. really, when handling the ball tonight, what did that give you? Well, again, you know, even when you, you don't get the result that you want, um, you know, we want to use the games to get better. And to see Joe, um, you know, play as aggressive as he did and throw himself into the game um, and made a lot of plays that, that we know he's capable of making. And, you know, he got himself going, you know, in a way that he hasn't been able to do recently um, as far as playmaking and, and reading and shooting. Those two runs weren't in the first quarter they had, one mm-hmm. in the second quarter, and then they got behind by around 25 or so. How tough yeah. 
was that mentally and just to try and get back in the field? Yeah, that, that's kind of, you know, the fact that there was two of them. Um, you know, you, you're, you're in the hole like that, and it can, you look up, and it can be overwhelming. Um, it's early in the game, but even at halftime coming in where we were, um, and I, I'm not trying to, to, to spin this like, you know, we're rejoicing in what happened tonight, but, you know, we've got to play better. Um, there's things we can do better, and we'll keep doing what we can do, controlling the things we control, and, you know, we're going to improve. And the, I feel good about that prospect, given the fact that we saw how we responded this evening. Brother, Joe, Joe and Rudy in particular seem to be working well mm-hmm. in the pick and roll. Is, is trying to get Joe out there with him as much as possible to have him have a role man out there, something that you guys do? Well, you know, there, there's there, we've used a number of different combinations. Um, you know, the, there was a connection with, with those guys. There's no question about it. Um, that had a lot to do with their execution. Um, but they found that during, during the course of the game. And, um, that's the thing about games right now. Um, we have to use the games to get better, um, particularly when you're not, you know, when you're back-to-backs or you're on the road or you're not practicing. So um, those are things that we can turn to and, and, and try to keep doing. Getting a chance to go home now. How good will that be mm-hmm. for you guys? I'm sorry? Getting a chance to go home for your team. How good would that be for you guys? Well, we're, you know, home, road, whatever. And it's, I want us to come out and compete every night, you know, it's a quick turn. We fly across the country. We play the Lakers on Wednesday, so we'll keep at it. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team fell last night, 103-94 to the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's now let you hear from Donovan Mitchell. Tough one, but can you look at this one tonight and look at that second half and take away some positives there? Uh, yeah. Um, I think we, we saw a lot of things we did well. We competed. You know, I think it was the polar opposite of last night, but um, – it's been a long road trip, man, and you know it's it's tough, and you know we're getting the shots we want, the looks we want, but sorry, but um, things just aren't falling. Um, we'll figure it out though, for sure. How do you deal with that mentally? You know, when you're on the floor, and then I mean, even to come back and bring it within seven tonight and fight through that. It's just being tough mentally. I think that's all it is. You know, I think. Um, there are a lot of people and a lot of teams just league just call it, you know, and get ready to go home, but, you know, not us, you know. We made sure that we stayed in it, stayed in the fight, you know, and you can just tell by the vibe, like, we know we competed, you know, at the end of the day, they're a good team, you know, they got, you can't always come back down from being, what, 25, but, you know, we competed, you know, obviously, like I said, we want to have a better road trip, and, you know, but we have things we can build on and can work on, you know, and I think this is just another step along the road. What do you see from Joe Ingles tonight in that second half when he's handling the ball, what that gives you guys? Just being aggressive. You know, there are times where it's like just just run the same pick and roll with him and Rudy. You know, similarly like him and Faye last year, and you know they had a great connection. I think um, I think it'd be great. You know, I think it's a great big uh, boost for him too. I think especially going back home, just kind of giving that that vibe. He goes see his kids, you know, and everybody just just being back. And we'll, we'll like I said, we'll we'll pick it up. How were you guys able to get Rudy Gobert involved more in, in tonight's game? I mean, Joe was part of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think Joe Angles for sure. Um, he's just working his butt off. You know, I think that's that's really where it is. You know, I think a lot of it is just you know sprinting the floor, you know, little things. You know, being able to set good screens, get us open, because then when guys start hitting shots, they got to respect it. That's when he's uh, there on the pass, and then being there on the boards. You know, being able to do all the little things that gets him involved, but also just keep an eye out. You know, when we realized Joe had five, he kind of just kept running at him, and you know, he don't want to foul out, so you know, being able to abuse that. But he's 
he's, he's worked his butt off for sure. Quinn talked about how you guys didn't have the connectivity you needed in the first half on, on the offensive end. How do you work on that so that, you know, you do come out in the next game and, and kind of have that cohesion? I mean, obviously we haven't practiced and I can't tell you how long. Um, at the end of the day, I feel like people forget that this is our third, what, third, fourth month together. <laughs> like, you know, you know, it may look great. You know, we may look, the numbers may look great on the stat sheet, but we got to be able to put the work in. And I don't think we have guys that are shy of doing that. You know, a lot of this is unselfish. You know, we're just trying to figure each other out. Um, I'd rather figure each other out and be 12 and 8 than 8 and 12, you know, like last last year. But, you know, we're, we're going to figure it out. Um, I'm going to figure it out. And it's, it's just, like I said, it's nothing to really overreact to. I mean, you know, same shots I got tonight, the same shots I've been hitting, same shots Boyan got, same, I mean, so it's just a matter of just being able to be precise and then on top of that, defending. What happened with the fan at the end of the game? Oh, no, he was just being respectful. Um, I like Philly, you know, I think just that that talking trash, you know, so I just, I appreciate part of the game, but, you know, when you start talking personal stuff, I think that's when things get kind of out of control, and, you know, Joe had my back, for real, I was about to, you know, say something, Joe had my back, and, you know, it's just, it's just what it is. What did you know? he say? I won't repeat it, you know, but, you know, like I said, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. You could tell he had a little too much for sure, so it wasn't even a matter worth my time, and you know. But like I said, like you know, it's part of the game. You know, I mean, it is what it is. How difficult is it to work on stuff when you can't practice? Um, I think a lot of it's just mental. You know, I think we 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 understand that things you know may not go our way, but we got to be able to push through. And I think the way you saw it in the second half, um, we were able to just go out there and, and find ways to just improve. You know, it may not always result in the win, but like you know, we take something like this and move on. That was Donovan Mitchell, and you heard him talk about uh, an interaction with a fan. That fan uh, uh, was actually removed from the stadium, and as you heard Donovan say right there, uh, the guy probably had one too many. So uh, an, an interesting side story from last night's game. The Jazz now return home. They'll take on the Lakers at Vivint Smart Home Arena coming up on Wednesday night. That game will tip off a little after 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6 right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There is the best of the Jazz post-game show. When we come back, we're talking football with Yogi Roth. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yogi Roth joined us late in yesterday's show. The Pac-12 analyst will let you hear his thoughts on the Pac-12 title game and why he thinks the Utes are going to win it. Here's Yogi Roth. Uh, he may say, uh, you know, uh, have a reference time reference off on the uh, the playoff rankings, which are coming out tonight. Uh, but you get the point. He had him on late in yesterday's show. Here's Yogi Roth. Yogi, good morning. Good morning, indeed. How you doing? Good. Utah or Oregon? Who you got in the title game? Let's get right to the chase. <laughs> well, I've gone with Utah since the spring. You know, I remember going to spring practice, and I thought they were uh, – they reminded me of the teams that we had at SC with the defense they had, everybody going to the NFL, how many talented players um, that they had and how they practiced. So uh, I'm going to stick with that. You know, and having called 
Oregon over the weekend against Oregon State, you know, they got to play much better if they're going to want to have a chance in this game. Did we see something that the Devils did in beating Oregon that the Utes can use in trying to do the same this week? Well, it was a big explosive play to me is why Arizona State won that game. I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I think that secondary gets way too much pride and haven't been there over the weekend. They stayed on top of Isaiah Hodgins. He didn't have a catch on the whole first half. They, they only threw it to him once, and it was nullified by a penalty, so technically – they didn't go to one time in the entire first half. So I, I don't think they'll get beat deep. Um, I think uh, Oregon State at times, they had a little success running the football and success throwing intermediate routes. But I, I think overall for Utah, what they do offensively just keeps everybody off balance. You know, Much like Oregon State, you know, challenge for Oregon State, Jake Luton didn't play. So I think that right now they just got to play their game. They got to run the football. It's play deep play action pass. It's the zone read game. It's the boot game. It's the options. All the stuff that's just in their package. Uh, so that, that's what I think. And, and really, it's defensively. But can they shut them down? And Oregon State had a lot of success. Justin Herbert did not play his best game, and that offense did not play their best game. Okay, I feel like they haven't played their best game since they beat USC. They looked spectacular and really put it on the Trojans that night. But the last three games, they don't pass the eyeball test. And obviously they lost one of them to ASU. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, coming off their bye, you know, they smoked Arizona. And then you referenced the ASU game. Um, I think that's fair. And I think this is a team that, you know, they're kind of like Utah last year to me when I look at Oregon. They're a little ahead of schedule you know, in terms of all the expectations and hype and the way their schedule broke and the streak they went on. Uh, you know, and obviously they have a talented quarterback in, in Justin Herbert, but but overall, I mean, let's not forget this program two years ago was four wins, seven wins, nine wins, now ten wins, playing for the opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl. So uh, with that being said, yeah, they got to find their – they got to find their their swag back a little bit, but the way they do it is by running the football. You know, the way they do it is with this offensive line. You know, they run the pistol, and that's going to be hard for Utah to defend. You know, I'm going to do a draw on Friday night. You know, we're going to have a pregame show at the site of the, the game in Santa Clara. And the first play I'm probably going to draw is a similar one against Arizona State when it's Lucky Fotu, right behind him is Francis Bernard, and right behind him is Julian Blackman. And it's a blitz right at the A-gap, right over the center, and you just try to kind of set the tone for the game. The problem is when you're in the pistol – uh, which is the the running back directly behind the quarterback and the shotgun, is that it slows down all your pressures. You can't blitz the back anymore. So so to nerd out a little bit, the back, when, when Zach Moss is on one side and Tyler Huntley or the other, you've got the ability to blitz one side or the other. And there's tendencies there. You can get to the quarterback easier. Um, just things happen faster. When he's directly behind the quarterback, everything you have to pause for a second. And what does it do? It can uh, mess up your run fits especially when you're in an aggressive defense like Utah. And all of a sudden, C.J. Verdell could go out the back door. Those are the things that I think are going to be different for Utah. And I expect some of the same in terms of a slow first quarter for them because you got to get to know uh, just the timing of what this running game is like, the play-action game is like. Because it does, it does alter just how you play defensively because everything's just a hair late. It's just The timing is totally different than anything they've seen all season long. And the challenge with that is that Justin Herbert, he, when he throws the ball, it's like a magnet. Like you, you don't have a choice to catch it most of the time. You know, he can literally hit spots 
all over the field. So with that being said, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge when I look at this game. So to me, I'm real intrigued. There's all sorts of intriguing aspects to this game. But the biggest one is the interiors on both sides. You look at Utah, which has three senior defensive linemen, right? And you look at Oregon, and they have four, I think. And then the other ones, the kid from Utah, Sewell, who might be better than all everybody combined uh, on Oregon's line anyway. So I'm real intrigued to see how that's going to play out. Utah's great defensive line against Oregon's great offensive line. Is that a push, or do you give somebody an edge? It's going to be the best part of the whole game, to be honest. Like, you know, we're going to hype up Huntley, Huntley for Heisman. We're going to talk about Herbert, the number one pick, and Zach Moss and C.J. Verdell on the backs at Oregon. But this is this is a game that is just different, right? Like, in years past, we've had one-loss teams like Washington State. Um, UW, they were built, you know, from the inside out when they went to the college football playoff. And you could argue even last year with Greg Gaines and company, all the guys that ended up leaving. This game on both sides, I don't think we've seen a game like this, you know, when it means so much in the Pac-12's history. And think about all the championship games. Stanford SC, by far, is the best championship game we've had, right, in in those two teams a couple years ago with Sam Darnold and KJ Costello. This, to me, trumps that game, and I don't even think it's close, you know, when you look at exactly what you said. And I just love it because here we are in a world where everybody, I say, playing in the sandbags, like with my son, all the, all the little people that don't want to pay attention to this conference think that it's just a throwing conference and think that it's just quarterbacks airmailing it all day long. And the two teams in the title game, for the second straight year, built on toughness and physicality. And you look at exactly what your reference made, it's going to be a blast. I can't wa- wait to watch Bradley and I against Panay Sewell at your reference. And I'm sure both of those guys can't wait to play each other as well. And, and I think to your point, Jake Hansen being at center – is going to be a key for this game for Oregon. He missed the last game and a half, and you could feel him in the ASU game. I think that was a, you know, one of the main reasons that they ended up losing that ball game outside of the explosive plays. You know, everything was off timing-wise with the snap and the pistol and everything I talked about earlier. Uh, Calvin Throckmorton played you know, very well over the weekend. Like They didn't seem to skip a beat, but they're at their best when Hanson's playing center, So, especially against a guy like Lecky Foto. So, yeah. I'm going to watch this game, and I think for the committee that's going to watch this game after talking to Rob Mullins, they get how this team is built. Uh, and I think for this game, it's just going to be phenomenal. And and then you add in the next guys, right? Troy Dye and Francis Bernard, right? The guys behind those players, how are they going to and just be able to make plays off those blocks? I, I think it'll be a really physical game, and it's going to be one that you know, will wear you out by the time you're in the fourth quarter. You kind of you mentioned this a little bit earlier about the pistol, and it's going to take the Utes a while to get dialed in. Is this going to look maybe a little bit like the Colorado and Washington State games, where the Utes gave up yards, gave up drives early, and then were able to shut them down after that? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, everything. I just believe this: that until um, you get in scenarios consistently, right, like Clemson or Alabama or even Oklahoma in the CFP. All these new stages where the stakes are higher, they're just new, right? So the anxiety's new, the nervousness is new, um, the anticipation is new, the hype is new, all that. So I, I think it's going to take both teams. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if it was a if it was a game that took both teams a little time to get to kind of settle in. And and specifically to that, these are two teams that scheme up on their offense, right? Air raid, as we all know, they don't worry about 
what the defense does. They're going to run their stuff. And a lot of offenses in this era, run pass option offenses, they, they don't do a lot of that, you know, in terms of quarterback and having to check the line of scrimmage. So why do I say that? Because both coordinators script their first 15, right? So, and Andy Ludwig does as good a job as I've seen all season long in terms of, let me just see what they're going to do to this personnel, to this formation, to this motion, to this shift. And let me just mark that down and I'll get you. I'll see, I'll see you again in the fourth quarter. You know, so I think a lot of Utah when I watch them back is that. It's just like, well, what are we good at? Do we have a hot hand? How are they aligning to different things? And all right, let's, let's trust that our defense is really good. Let's not make a catastrophic mistake. Let's not try to go three and out and give the – you know, the ball back to the other team extremely quickly. So that, to me, is going to be really fun. Like, if you're watching this game at home or you're there in person, I'm watching the formations and the personnel groupings early on. So, Yogi, when I look at uh, Utah getting into the playoff, I look at Oklahoma as being its number one threat, and I base it on star power, reputation in terms of historical nature of Oklahoma's program versus Utah, star power being Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley, and then if I go scheduling, I've got to give the advantage overall to Oklahoma but I'm thinking if the Utes can just really blitz Oregon, they can hold steady or move up a spot uh, because assuming Georgia loses, if Georgia doesn't lose, then I think uh, Oklahoma and Utah are in trouble there. But assuming for a second, for the sake of argument, Georgia loses, so that puts them off to the side and becomes Oklahoma and Utah. I already gave you my reasons as to why I think Oklahoma gives the gets the nod. Give me reasons why you think Utah should get the nod. Yeah, well, I really think it's pretty simple. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but Rob Mullen, the chair of the committee in the AD at Oregon, came on our set on Saturday. The pregame show was, was at the Civil War. And, and I asked him point blank about the tactical brand of the room, you know, to that, to that point. Because that's every radio show in Big 12 country, in the SEC, in the East Coast, is saying that today. Right. right? When you look at the math, when you look at the schedule, the strength of schedule, you know, I get the argument, especially when you look at the final game, um, being you know where Baylor is presumably going to be ranked. But I, I just go back to what he said, and he said they recognize, and he said it very clearly, how good of a team Utah is. You know how how they're built with their offense and defense, for all the stuff that we've referenced. So I say that because I, I think it's going to be one of these things where you come down to it. I think it's close enough on all the things you reference that it's going to come down. And they said this many times in the brief history of the committee comes down to the football people in the room. And the football people in the room say, you know, you touched just a better team. right?" So, And then here's some facts to back it up. Five of the last six games that Oklahoma's played in, they've won by one score or less. Three of the last five Baylor's played in, they've won by one score or less. Utah's one game all year, they've won by one score or less. And it's on the road against UW. Yeah. So I don't think anybody's going to slap around and say, uh, they don't respect him, right? Like that, that Washington's program is much much more respected than Iowa State or Texas Tech or you know other schools that you know you might have a similar records or Kansas State in that conference. So I say that, and I'm really not stressing that much because I think Oregon's going to move up, right? So at worst they're 13th, they're probably 12 tomorrow night, and we'll see where Baylor and Oklahoma are ranked. But I just think that it's so muddy between six and you could argue 15 that you know it's you're splitting hairs and i think if the committee's trying to be politically correct or if they're trying to do things just based on math then yeah oklahoma's going to get in or baylor's going to get in but that that's we already had that's called the bcs era 
right, when everything was based on math. So based on an unemotional take and watching every snap this year, I think they're going to come down and say Utah's just a better team. And the way they've dominated teams, I don't think they need to dominate Oregon. I think that argument is, is not accurate. I think they just got to play clean and prove that they can compete among those other three undefeated that we would presume. So I would think that if you're a Ute fan, the argument you would hate in the room is that Oakland, that the Utes against ranked teams, assuming they beat Oregon, they'll be one and one. And if Oklahoma wins, depending on whether Oklahoma State remains ranked or not, Oklahoma's going to be two and zero or three and zero. So you think the yeah. eyeball test and the Utes are better trumps that stat because that stat would seem to be Oklahoma's best argument. I think that's says BS based on Arizona State beat Oregon, right? Arizona State's not going to be ranked. Oregon smacked Arizona State, and I called that game. Right? Like you can kind of make those arguments as the year has gone on of like, hey, well, this team was really good then. And I just say that. I'm like, so many of these ranked takes, and I get it, it's based on the CFP. It should be based on the CFP final rankings, right? But a yeah. lot of times you hear about ranked wins, and it's like, well, when they were ranked in the AP, no offense to the AP, but I know people that vote in the AP, they don't watch every game. You know, they're seeing scores. They're watching the highlights pretty much like the rest of the country. So, again, I just go back to – and I sat in those chairs. Like, I got to be Rob Mullins, and they, they allowed me to be a mock chair committee. And it's real clear. And the muddied part is that you look at the four categories, right? One being uh, conference champion. Both of them will have that. One being strength of schedule, right? It's kind of debatable, really, when you look at the overall score. Uh, look at common opponents, which – uh, the one in this one is UCLA, and if it goes anybody's way, it would go Utah, right? So there's a metric there. And then the other one is comparable outcomes, right? Which, you know, that's not necessarily in play here. So I still think it's just going to come down to you looking at how the team's played all year long. And then the committee members, the challenging part, which is maybe the scary part, is that everybody is tasked with putting in the four best. But four best is defined by each individual member. And I think that's a major issue with the committee, to be quite honest with you, because Ronnie Lott might think it's the four best after Saturday next weekend. Yeah. Right? And Todd Stansbury might think the athletic director of Georgia Tech, formerly at Oregon State, might think four best is entirety of the body of work. So, you know, you look at Utah, their loss was the earliest loss among any teams in the conversation right now in the season. So you could argue they're playing the best right now versus quote-unquote ranked win. So it's going to be it's going to be close, but I'm really curious to see what the committee does, and I'd love to see, uh, obviously, Utah get a chance. But I do think that they got a chance to, to make some noise if they get in there. Yeah, I, we all agree with you. I think that uh, whatever Ronnie Lott says, I'm going to go with because he's so tough that <laughs> I'm afraid that he might <laughs> find out I disagree with him. So, But I find it curious <laughs> on the – I think that Utah needs to put it on Oregon. You disagreed with that, said that's inaccurate. You're not going by margin of victory, but yet you go margin of victory in – stating the case against Oklahoma by saying that, well, they only had one score wins. So I don't, I don't see the consistency there. How come it's a, it's a negative for Oklahoma and the one score wins, but yet if Utah doesn't hammer Oregon, that isn't, that's viewed differently. To me, the consistency would be if I'm going to go uh, margin of wins over here, then if Utah really puts it on Oregon, I think they get in as opposed to not doing that. Yeah, well, the reason I, I think that is I don't think Utah's trying to like play the style points game. 
You know, like I think they're just playing their game, and that's what they've done is just put it on teams. And I think for Oklahoma, they've just been in dogfights. You know, that's just kind of their reality. So if Utah's in a tight game against a top, whatever, let's just call it top 14 team that everybody thought was going to the CFP until a week and a half ago by the time the airing of the, you know, the rankings conclude, then to me it's – that's the challenging part, I guess, that I have when you look at – Oregon was number five team in the country. Everybody had them pegged for the title. And now all of a sudden, if it's a close game in the title, we're going to say Oregon's, you know, not a talented team. You know, we're going to say, well, Utah needed to smash them. Like, it's not like they're playing, not like it's Oregon, Arizona a couple years ago. And like, I don't think it's going to be that game. Like, Oregon's talented. You know, yeah. like they've got, you reference, you could argue the best old lineman, at least in next year's potential draft. The sure. guy, at number one, you know, potentially number one overall pick. So I just think that, I don't think that A, they're going to smash them. And then B, I think to say that they have to um, to, to put up style points over Oklahoma is going to play a Baylor team, and neither one of those teams have been dominant all year long. I just think that you're not paying, not, not you, but I think fundamentally that argument yeah. would state that you know, voters are paying attention to what Oregon's done all year. I don't think they you need to. I don't think they need to hammer Oregon. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if they do, I think that should be enough to get them in. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. They, yes. I, I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, heck, if they win by two touchdowns, I think it's yeah. enough. Me too. Well, Yogi, as always, we appreciate a little time. Thanks for coming on our show now and uh, over the years. We appreciate it. Yeah. Hope to see you guys in Santa Clara. I'll be there. All yep. right, man. Talk to you soon. There is Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Network. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Kyle Whittingham, Ute head coach, with his weekly press conference, getting ready for Oregon. PK and I both there as always. Here's Kyle. Okay, uh, good finish to the regular season Saturday night. It's great to send our seniors out uh, as far as their last home game uh, with a win. And uh, you know we started slow, didn't didn't have a lot going for us in the first quarter, but but got some momentum and ended up finishing strong and uh, doing what we needed to do. And uh, you know so that puts an end to the regular season. Uh, some really good performances. Uh, Brant Keithy was outstanding. Uh, defense was solid. Got some good things going on special teams uh, in the punt return game. So, so a lot of positives in the game and came out healthy. You know, very very few uh, issues that way. And now it's time to uh, get ready for the Pac-12 championship game on Friday night. Uh, Oregon, uh, very good football team. Uh, you know, they're running the football well. They're defending it well. Uh, as far as defending the run, um, got a great quarterback in the Herbert kid. He's a big, strong kid, big arm, and uh, big talent. Um, 
defense. They're playing exceptionally well in the red zone. Uh, only 33% uh, touchdowns allowed in the red zone defensively, which is really good. That's got to be among the best in the country, if not the best. Uh, special teams as well. They're doing. They're got to return. Uh, the return game is is very good. Kickoff return, punt return. They've made a lot of plays there, and so it's uh, it's a good football team. They're they're a solid team. Uh, you know, all three phases, and we'll have our hands full. And so we just got to. Uh, have a great week of practice, like always, and go down there and compete and see what happens. So questions? Coach, uh, relative to last season, at this time last year, you guys have been able to stay healthy at key positions. How much does that matter in terms of being consistent on what you want to do offensively and defensively? Well, it matters, but uh, you never complain or make excuses about injuries because everybody's got them, and so that's something we never we never do, regardless of our situation. But uh, you know, we feel like we're in pretty good shape right now to answer your question, and uh, you know, we, we have our fair share of guys that have things that are bothering them that still play through it, but uh, we should be okay. Okay, what have you learned from, from last year's uh, appearance at the, the Pac-12 championship? Or is there anything maybe that you can take from that game? Well, I think the experience that our players had last year, you know, playing in the stadium and playing in that environment will be a positive because a lot of these guys obviously were in that game. Um, but other than that, you know, it's a new opponent, uh, this, uh, you know, different matchup. And so I'm not sure that there's uh, any big advantage other than, you know, guys have been there before. Hi, Coach. Uh, we see what Brandt is able to do uh, offensively with his speed and, and agility and whatnot, but how good of an overall tight end is he? What kind of a blocker is he? Are there some other areas where he's excelling where we're not seeing or needs to improve in? He's a very good blocker. He's not uh, the biggest guy. You know, he's 225, 230 pounds, and so he's not a, a typical uh, inline tight end that uh, is going to be in you know the anchor and and run power and, and those type of things, but he's, he's he plays that H-back rule very well where he's moving around and the windback blocks on the zone read and the and also is the second puller on the counters and so he he uh, does exactly what we need him to do in the in the uh, in the run game as far as his blocking he's a very willing blocker he never turns anything down you know he's a tough guy and uh, you know so yeah he's a he's a complete player he's just not your prototypical anchor tight end on the end of the line of scrimmage so why is a tight end sweep such a killer play, and why wait so late in the year to break it out? What is the backstory and how that evolved? Well, it's a good play because Brant's a good athlete. He makes it go. you got to have the right guy to do that. You can't just do it with any tight end. And, uh, you know, we're, Andy's continually uh, adding things to the offense, and, and uh, I don't have a great answer as to why we didn't break it out earlier other than, you know, better late than never, and it's, it's very effective right now. So, yeah. We saw in uh, Oregon's loss, the Devils hit on a few deep balls. When Andy goes to pick up his game plan, put together his game plan, and even maybe on the defensive side too, how much do you base the game plans on what you see other teams having success do against the opponent that you're playing that given week? Oh, a lot. I mean, that's uh, that's why you study film. You're looking for, for ways to move the ball uh, offensively and, and defensively. You're looking at things schematically that people might have done to them that, that was successful. And so that, that definitely uh, plays into what uh, your line of thinking is. Now you don't depart, you know, completely from what you're doing. It's got to fit within, you know, the realm of your, your – uh, 
you know, your personnel and what you're doing. You can't just have a complete uh, departure from that. But uh, it's certainly part of the deal. And and uh, you know they're they're back in. You mentioned you know Arizona State hit on some shots, but they're back in. It's very athletic. They're leading the conference in interceptions, so they're really good back there. They got uh, good athletes. Uh, can you expound a little bit on your unfinished business uh, mantra that you guys have kind of had to get here and then just talk about maybe the the challenges and how difficult it was to get back here? Well, it was very difficult to get back here to you know answer the second part of your question. It's it's uh, you know running the gauntlet of a nine game Pac-12 schedule is is not easy and and of course we started out you know far from the ideal situation losing that first one where we had to run the table the rest of the way and so it was a long hard road but our guys uh, persevered and, and continued to work and continued to stay focused and and continued to uh, just attack them one at a time and that's that's really the only way you can do it um, first part of your question again oh the unfinished business part yeah well that was something that uh, our returning seniors adopted that wasn't uh, anything that was uh, you know manufactured by the coaching staff or anything and so they just you know what it is basically saying is we got there last year to the to the championship game and and weren't able to get over the you know get the win and so now we get another chance this year and and that's uh, I believe uh, you know the message is let's try to be uh, you know let's try to finish and have a chance to win the whole thing which we do right now we're in position for it but like I said we got a good opponent. So thinking back over these eight games, is there a defining game or moment to you that got you here? Okay, I would say Oregon State. You know, we went over there and really just cut loose and had a, a huge lopsided victory. That's when, uh, at least in my own mind, I don't, you know, I'm not speaking for anybody else, thought, hey, you know, this team has a chance to be special if we can keep this up. And I can't remember how many games after USC that was. Anybody remember? Second after? Yeah, okay. The Pac-12 champion generally goes to the Rose Bowl, but you're in a position now where if you win, you're potentially looking at something else, something more significant, potentially. Does it feel weird from that standpoint that if you win, you're not necessarily going to the Rose Bowl? You're you're potentially no, doing something else? No, it doesn't, and, and we haven't paid a whole lot of attention to it. I mean, we're, you know, we certainly understand the big picture, but uh, control the controllables, and all we can control is, is trying to get a win that, uh, on Friday against Oregon, and then it's out of our hands after that point. So so we don't uh, spend a lot of time of, uh, thinking about it, and it doesn't really uh, seem, uh, you know, odd, I guess is the word, or strange is what you used. Uh, either way, it's just, you know, whatever our fate is, that's what we'll do, and it'll be good. I can tell you right now, it'll be good no matter what happens if we're able to win. Yeah. Kyle, going back to last year's title game and just the freaky nature of that touchdown that made the difference, now, has that game stuck in your craw? And is it, uh, do you Every loss to? sticks in my craw, whatever a craw is. Uh, <laughs> what is a craw? I don't know. Your cheek? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, fish. Okay. Uh, no, every every game is is painful that you, that you lose, and, you, and as a coach, you you know if you went back and you can't remember right off the top of your head, but if you went back and look at all the losses, listen, you remember you'd remember every one and and what went wrong and and uh, and you know just the circumstances. But but that was uh, you know we didn't get much offense generated last year, and credit the Husky defense, they're a really good defense, and and so it was uh, very you know it was tough to move the ball. But but that one play was uh, seemed to be the, the the tipping point in the game and couldn't overcome that, and and that was disappointing. But uh, you know that's football; they made the play and. Congratulations to them. Kyle, what's what's different about Oregon this year than maybe last year when you faced them? 
Not a whole lot. You know, they have had they had really good players last year. They got really good players this year. Um, their offensive line, I neglected to say that in my opening statements about them. They're, they're really good on the offensive line. That should be the, the intriguing uh, matchup of this game and, and, the, and uh, a, a battle that's going to be pivotal in who wins the game is their offensive line versus our defensive line. To revisit last year's Pac-12 title game one Again? more time. Yes, if you Holy had Toledo. if you had won Lacrosse the game, killing me. <laughs> <laughs> because you're not focused on the outcome. It's more the Pac-12 championship. That's what you control. If mm-hmm. you'd won the Pac-12 championship, do you think this senior class, a lot of them would have gone to the NFL? They wouldn't have the unfinished last business year? to come back this year. Could be. You know, I, I can't answer that. We'd have to ask them each individually. But, but I would say that that might have uh, swayed at least. Uh, you know, some of them in that regard, but but uh, no, no, I never posed that to him. Good question. Will you get involved in? <laughs> Just looking at you. <laughs> when you get involved in recruiting, and it comes down to say two schools, in this case Oregon and Utah, how much does it matter if you go out and beat Oregon in that sense? Well, I think guys that are going right down to the wire that have those two particular schools in mind, and, and that's what they've narrowed it down to. It could have a could have a, a bearing, but I think there's other things that uh, probably supersede that. The opportunity to play early—that's a big deal now with you know, with uh, recruits—is is early playing time. So, what's the roster look like on you know on both those teams as far as my opportunity and uh, also uh, you know location and, and that type of thing? So, I I would say it's a factor. Is it the biggest factor? Maybe in a few of the kids' minds, but mostly I would say not the not the most important thing in that for that decision. Uh, your your defense has been on the field for a total of 690 plays so far this season, second fewest of any team in the country. Who's fewest? I'm not sure. Oh, you have to have that stat. Ninety-two percent of stats are made up on the spot, so you could have just made something. <laughs> That's from the Simpsons. Yeah. Okay, maybe Wisconsin. Maybe Wisconsin. Anyway, <laughs> Navy. Navy, it is. Okay, one fewer game, so we are the least per game. So, question yeah. about that? <laughs> uh, what was what does that speak to in terms of how efficient your defense has been this season from down to down? Okay, it speaks of two things. First of all, how well we're controlling the ball offensively. That's that's a big part of it. We're we're we're. Uh, controlling the football, making first downs, not turning it over. So our defense is on the sidelines a bunch of the game because of that. Uh, secondly, it says we're doing a great job on third down defensively, which we just snuck under the 30% uh, conversion uh, mark after last game, which is outstanding. You know, I don't know if we've ever uh, in the history of Utah football been sub 30% on allowing opponents uh, to convert on third down. And so those two things play hand in hand and, and uh, make for the, the amount of snaps that you've seen us play. And that's that's a big uh, plus for us, particularly on defense, because we've played essentially two less games than everybody else as far as the wear and tear on our guys. You make that 30%? No, I never make up things. I never make things up, as far as you know. Yeah. Uh, speaking of their offensive line, Sewell, the left tackle, in yeah. particular, did you have recruiting history with him, and how would you describe oh, yeah. him as a player? We recruited him hard. He was an in-state kid, and we think he's a, a tremendous player. Um, a lot of people think he's the best O-lineman in the country, so that's that's how good he is. And and uh, we uh, were in it till the very end. At least we uh, thought we were, and uh, at the end didn't choose us. And he's uh, he was hurt. Was it last year? He was hurt uh, part of the season. But anyway, he's been healthy all year this year, and and is just a, a phenomenal player. 
so he's really good. Kyle, you've been part of a lot of teams here that believe that they can hang with anybody in the country. Is there something about this year's team, the DNA of this group, that makes you believe that? Uh, yeah, the talent level. I, I got to believe this is the most talented team we've had here, and you know, that's at least that I've since I've been here. And and that's saying that's a pretty bold statement because there's been some teams come through here that are that are really good. But I think when all is said and done, and we look back, this this may be the the best of them all, at least to this point. By the way, I looked it up. Uh, hard to, stuck in craw means hard to swallow. Okay. Oh, there you go. We learned it. something Thank today. You. Yes. Sir. I was going to ask, Kyle, can you compare this season to 04 and 08? Do you have the same vibe? And now that you talked about when they switched from the Mountain West to the Pac-12, it was like jumping the Grand Canyon. Are you on the other side safely now? Well, first part of the question, uh, it does feel a lot like 04 and 08, you know, those, those special seasons that don't come around all the time, you know, that, that where everything uh, seems to be clicking and, and uh, things go your way. And so there is that, that feel. Um, as far as have we arrived, no, I don't think we'd ever say we've arrived, but we're certainly in the best place in our opinion, since we joined the conference, by far right now, we're on, on uh, pretty solid ground and we're continually trying to get better and, and recruit better and, and you know build buildings and stadiums and that type of thing. But, but I think we're in a pretty good spot right now, but there's still a lot of work to be done. You talked about Oregon and all the interceptions. It's a sign of their athleticism. A lot of times interceptions are easier for guys to get when they're in a zone and they see the ball the whole way. Does Oregon, how does the balance work between how much they're in zone and how much they're in man, and how much does that impact their interception total? Yeah, they mix it up pretty good, and, and another thing that that uh, impacts interceptions is your defensive front getting after the quarterback, so he's you know he's under duress and making throws that, you know, just to avoid getting sacked and to, and to try to get himself out of trouble, and so that's that's a part of it as well, but they do a good job mixing things up, and, and we play a ton of man, and we're always, almost always amongst the leaders in the in interceptions as well, and so I think, in fact, I think we're second. Uh, to Oregon this year, so so it can be done either way. I don't think I don't think there's any uh, any uh, big huge difference as far as uh, the interceptions, whether you play man or zone. Kyle, assuming you guys win this game, is there going to be any temptation to throw Britton Covey back into the mix, or are you guys still just kind of on the fence of where he might be with the end of his year? Yeah, good question. And and I, the the longer this has gone on, the less that. Uh, possibility is and and I would say I can't see that happening at this point I think we're far enough down the road where you can definitively say that uh, he will continue to redshirt coaches from other staffs in the conference and throughout the country they're on the road recruiting this week you obviously have a game to prepare how do you handle the recruiting and the preparation for the game Good point, and that's uh, something that is a, a minor disadvantage in, in, I guess, at face value, but in the big picture, I think it's a positive to be in this game and, and helps us in the long run more so than if we weren't in the game and we we're out on the road. But but what we do is we send out a you know the word to the recruits that you know we won't be able to see them this week because of the preparation for the game and and give them uh, you know let them know why that you know we won't be there when many you know 85 percent of the other schools will be there and, and uh, available to do that. But but I think the trade-off is certainly well worth it. There's Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, the Jazz loss in Philadelphia, a good Monday night football game between two teams that uh, we assume are going to be in the playoffs and one of them may be in the Super Bowl. We'll get to that next.